Good evening, town viewers. This is Nick Pettis, and I'm bringing you Talent Talks Season 2, Episode 4, Our Scary Story Contest. We were unable to meet up all together, so we decided to do things a little differently this week. We each recorded a segment of our winners from our scary story contest. So we're gonna read those. And congratulations to all who won and to those who lost, I'm sorry, but you can continue to send any submissions you would like to us that are not in the scary story contest. Thank you so much and have a good watch. In fifth place, we have The Horror Within by Alexis Kalane. This story starts out a little different than most. Instead of looking around the outside world for what ghost or goblin is near, you will all look inside yourselves to see what true darkness is lurking. Imagine you are in a forest. It looks familiar, as if it's calling you to wander. The moon is shining brightly directly on you as the whispers of the trees come close enough to send chills down your spine. With each rising goosebump, the tick inside you is itching to come out. The secrets you all hold deep in your bellies becomes hypnotized by the coo of the owls lurking in the trees. You take a step and the snap of the branch echoes through you, your true self comes into focus. The demons that haunt you when you stare at yourself in the mirror have finally consumed you, no longer willing to hide behind such false, innocent eyes. You fall deep into the sorrow of your subconscious. You no longer have control over your body and can only watch it take on its true form. Your spine snap, crackles, pops as it releases the anger and frustration you feel day by day. With the awakening of the terror inside you, it is only a matter of time until something bad happens. Like a werewolf calling for its pack, with a single howl, you gladly invite your demons to come out and play. As if you are a predator tracking your prey, you follow those who have done you wrong, plotting your revenge. Oh yes, how sweet it will feel. You linger in the shadows, waiting to snatch them up. An eye for an eye is the rationalization you make up as you try to hold on to some sort of your humanity. But it's too late for that because you created the monster that now lives within your world. See, you've made the choice to sacrifice your sanity. You chose to not act in the moment and instead let the tension boil up inside until the lid finally popped off. If only you had just said something, then maybe you wouldn't be coming what you've always hated about yourself. The constant gnawing in your head has resided, for you finally get to do something about all the things that drive you mad. 
like a clown putting on its makeup. You used to smile to hide the way you really felt. But now, oh yes, finally now, you can smear your face paint and show the world the true creature you are. See, unlocking the demon is the easy part, but closing it back up is where it gets tricky. You try and claw your way back into control, but you're too weak to do anything. You have no choice but to move like a puppet to the beat of your dying heart. The panic you feel only makes the darkness stronger as it blows through your life, destroying everything you love. With passion to save comes the desire to destroy, to destroy those in your way. This is what happens when you pick your insanity lock. So make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened and your focus is always on. Because the second you let go, the real horror within takes its turn at ruling. This is a dead man's tree by Celine. Dead man's tree, they used to call it, long and worthy. It stood innocently amongst the naked trees. At first glance, it was all normal, ordinary tree, except secrets were buried deep beneath the roots, upon a pile of crisp, white human bones. A stuffed scarecrow totem of death and fear, an evil omen to a passing traveler place of sin to a priest, symbol of bad luck, according to a local drunk and crazy, but nevertheless an ordinary tree, only from a distance, ordinary, forgettable, boring, but nevertheless an ordinary tree. But deep beneath the dirt, under our feet, the tragic stories of the town's death, fear, and tragedy in history took place. Hand-braided ropes swung gently in the wind, an ornament, a common spectacle, a primeval tradition, a barbaric practice, echoes of the past once lived. Crowds came in droves from local towns, eyes lightened with sick satisfaction, toe-curling smirks, and soulless eyes forever ingrained in one's own mind. The hand of evil touched these very grounds. Hell hands guarded this very tree. The devil himself graced humanity in his very presence. Sorrow, despair, and agony left his awake. His very hands braided the rope, planted the tree, tied the knot. His influence corrupted man's mind with evil thoughts. They brought them upon with gleeful spirits as they cuffed their stiff necks with rope. Hands tied behind their back, heads bowed to the earth in forgiveness and mercy. They helplessly stood amongst their friends, families, and neighbors in humility, despair, and misery, in pure innocence and grace. They were ordinarily tragic souls hung on the tree for sport. Strung up for decoration, display as a symbol warning sign to all of humanity. Their pleas for forgiveness disparaged into the crowd. Confession of innocence left their crackled lips. 
whispers of sins forever lost to the wind, their secrets kept buried and safe in the depths of their story and soul, their souls forever a dark reminder of great injustice, victims of a heinous hate crime, the timeless classic story of sorrow, despair, and agony, forever written into those pages of history books. Forever passed down throughout time as a local legend of a ghost story, a dead man's tale. Bodies gently swung in the wind, tragic souls lost over time, forgotten, forever tied together in unity. Upon the branches of dead man's tale. Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Michelle Weber and I am here to share one of our Scary Stories winners. This is Mandy Stoicon, and her story is entitled Marty. There is a writer's note. Some people don't believe in ghosts. They often believe that ghosts aren't real, but I can tell you from personal experience that they do exist. This is a true story of a man my family used to know years ago. And the story starts. Marty was a handyman and a personal friend of our former landlord, Melanie. He would always come by and fix our leaky faucets or toilets in the duplex we rented. He was a nice guy. I'd say that he was probably in his 50s and he had a scruffy appearance, such as old t-shirts and holes in his jeans. And he always sported a faded red ball cap. His scruffy gray stubble was showing his age, but his disposition was shown in his kind eyes and his friendly smile. He was likable. One chilly morning in December, Melanie came by our house. It was a week before Christmas, and seeing her before the first of the month was surprising. Hey, before I go, have you seen Marty? She asked. No, not lately, I admitted. Why, what's going on? Been trying since yesterday to get a hold of him, and his phone keeps going straight to voicemail. He was supposed to show up for work today at one of my properties and never did, Melanie replied. She looked very worried. He usually keeps his phone charged until he needs to use it in case I call him to come work with me. I nodded, rubbing my chin in thought. Well, if he does come by, I'll be happy to have him give you a call. I reassured her as she turned to go. Thanks, Amanda. I'd certainly appreciate that, Melanie replied. See ya. Later, I responded as she left and shut the door. My live-in boyfriend volunteered for the local fire department at the time, and I filled him in for Melanie's visits to her concerns about Marty. He, too, thought that was weird and decided to talk to the assistant fire chief about it. He had a few firefighters who formed a search party to find Marty. It was getting dark, but they continued their efforts until late into the evening. They eventually found Marty sometime later, dead in a dessert bunker. The temperatures had dipped into the 30s during the night, and Marty went in that bunker to get warm, but the bunkers were buildings with no insulations, and he froze to death. It was said that he might have been there for a couple of days, and his phone was not fully charged. It was the day after Christmas when I was sitting on my living room sofa. My boyfriend's brother Rick sat on the sofa across from me. Something that old window caught my eye. Whatever I was going to say to Rick caught in my throat and immediately died there. Ricky, I murmured, you need to take a look at this. Turn around. He turned to look at the window behind him, and there was a perfect silhouette of an old man with a ball cap. I raced to the back door in the kitchen to see if someone was standing there. There was nobody there. No man standing by the window. 
nobody wearing a faded ball cap. When I returned to the living room, the silhouette was gone. Did I imagine Marty's ghost standing by the living room window? I knew it could not have. Rick was in the same room and saw it too. Not even the tree in the backyard could have even made Marty's shape. Today, I still believe that it was Marty making that shadow that cold December morning. I think he was there at the living room window, just checking in on us, and then he disappeared, saying his silent goodbye. In second place, we have The Man From Within by Stephanie Bernack. This happened three years ago on our anniversary. My wife and I were celebrating 12 years of marriage. We both decided to take the day off from work and go for a drive to the beach. It was a bit of a drive, about two hours down the interstate. The drive is amazing. We're having fantastic conversations and enjoying all the sights on the way. We were closing in on our destination with just a small stretch of windy roads. We're rolling down the windows, feeling the rush of chilly air caressing our soft skin. When we arrived, there was only a few hours left of daylight. We didn't mind. We kind of liked the idea of walking along the beach at night to gaze at the stars and listen to the ocean peacefully without the typical sounds that come with visiting the beach. We started with having dinner at a nice waterfront seafood restaurant. Once we finished, we decided it's time to head towards the beach. We walked to our car, which was parked in the lot next to the beach entrance. My wife grabbed her long, flowy white sweater and our plaid blanket, while I grabbed the small cooler. We headed toward the beach and went through a very old wooden gate that looked a century old. While walking towards the water, marveling at the sight of the setting sun, it's like a sunset is in the sun's fiery kiss to the night. We chose a nice spot to stop about 20 yards from where the waves were crashing against the shore, about 60 yards from the wooden fence leading back to our car. We unfolded the blanket and sat on top. After a minute of talking and drinks, we laid down. We were truly amazed by all the stars in the sky. It was a gorgeous sight. Roughly 20 minutes later, I felt a presence. I was still watching the stars, but I felt there was someone watching us. A shiver ran down my spine. The beauty of the night now felt eerie, quiet, and now abandoned. I sat up and noticed my wife had fallen asleep. I turned and looked around the beach and saw nothing. Then I turned back, facing the ocean. At that moment, my heart stopped. Something was emerging from the ocean, immediately following the wave break. It was a man 
walking towards us in silence, holding a knife. I was so scared. I, he didn't speak when he noticed that I've seen him. He stood very close to us with a giant smile on his face. A creepy smile, similar to the Joker. I was in shock, my heart pumping with adrenaline, sitting frozen in fear. I glanced at my wife again, who was completely asleep. At that moment, I could feel the impeding danger. I looked up at the man, reacted with uncontrollable anger all over his face. I shook my wife awake and said at the same time, What are you doing? You must have the wrong people. In a scared but firm voice, my wife regained consciousness, seeing the man standing in the water. She struggled with rising panic. At that moment, he smiled again. It made me shiver, and my wife gasped with fear when she finally noticed the knife. He didn't respond to me. Instead, he clutched his knife, taking a single step towards us. My wife again gasped. I forced myself to do something. I stood up and said, what do you want? You can have our phones, our keys, anything. The man looked completely insane, which was absolutely terrifying. Once again, no reply. He's soaking wet, wearing a tattered black suit that's ripped and frayed. His long, stringy brown hair dripping wet with strings of seaweed weaved in. After 15 seconds of unnerving silences, he ran up to us very quickly, and my wife screamed. I almost had a heart attack. He stopped before he stepped foot on our blanket, and once again, his smile turned into a crazy, angry glare. I shouted, you can have everything, just don't hurt us. My voice was crackling. I was petrified. He finally spoke. He said in a normal, sane voice, I told the captain it wasn't safe. Then he turned and started walking away from us. Relief hit me like a ton of bricks. I kneeled down and hugged my wife. As he was walking away, he stopped and turned towards us. This time, he didn't look at us. Instead, looked into the distance, pointing at the ocean with a terrifying scream. We looked at the ocean to only see a storm far off in the distance. As we looked back at the man, he had vanished. My wife started tearing up and said, let's get out of here. The storm's coming in. We very quickly grabbed our things and started walking in the direction of where our car was parked. After walking around the restaurant we ate at, we saw people laughing and talking outside. They had no idea what we just experienced. How could they not see what just happened, my wife said. We approached our car. We got inside and drove away. We were silent on the way back home, trying to shake off the fear that overcame us. My wife just hung her head, staring out at the window. I decided to turn on the radio. Perhaps some music might calm our nerves. As our breathing begins to slow to a normal cadence, the song stops abruptly. Breaking news bulletin, ship lost at sea. Found, no survivors.
Crew had been found with multiple stab wounds. All had been accounted for except for one passenger. My wife and I looked at each other. Our hearts began to race again. What used to be our favorite spot had been embedded in our minds with terror and fear. We haven't visited since. I don't know how I got there, but there I was, walking around alone inside a haunted house. Feeling eerily uncomfortable, it was dusk and the moon was out, radiating a soothing white light wherever possible. As I was walking in this long hallway, I heard the ominous sound of an owl hooting away in the distance. It was both annoying and irritating. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up for no apparent reason. I turned around and looked at the surroundings that were around me, and all of a sudden I saw a ghost across from me. It had the pointiest shoes I ever saw. I heard something slam and it was a broomstick. I was really starting to get scared now, and the gentle breeze now seemed to travel through my physical being, leaving me feeling as cold as the ice. I opened my mouth to scream, but nothing came out. As I opened my mouth, the air seemed to dry it within an instant, and it became as dry as an old wooden floor. My voice and speech disintegrated into ashes as I tried to scream. But why? Was I dead, or was I dreaming? I decided that I must have been imagining it. I tried to shake these uncomfortable thoughts out of my head, but something kept me there. I realized I would not be able to get rid of these thoughts if I stayed where I was. And so I told myself to keep on walking down this long, dark hallway. It seemed like it would never end. I didn't know where I was going. A small invisible force seemed to be pushing me forward towards a decapitated person. So I ran as fast as I could and ended up in a very large bedroom with the weirdest bathroom. I heard something. Water was slowly splashing against the shower. It started pulling me down under the floor. I couldn't stop it. Strangely, I ended up somewhere else on the other side of the house. After a few long seconds, I managed to slow my heart rate down to a safe level and was pretty sure I wasn't having some kind of heart attack. I flipped my overgrown blonde hair out of my eyes. Bracing both of my worn black Converse sneakers, I tensed my body as quickly as I could. I ran out and shoved open the freezing cold gate whilst trying not to touch it more than necessary. The gate was so rusty that opening it had almost pulled the edges of my raincoat shut. I observed that the front yard was made up of grass which were more skeletons of once living things. Well, whatever was left of the grass, anyway. The dry gravel crunched like broken bones as I tiptoed towards the entrance of the house. Each step was a step closer to unleashed hell. Molding steps led up towers to the entrance of the house with each step causing a crack and paralyzing scary squeak. The fencing gray oak door was engraved with strange vintage patterns and weird symbols which were now partially eaten away by mold and termites. There were so many arched windows from the front of the house, 
Each of them was cracked with no glass on them. I glanced at the stained gold knocker in the shape of a demon on the front door. I jumped back and quickly spun around to face my so-called friends who appeared out of nowhere, and they were keeping their distance from the house by standing away. Continuing my exploration, I walked under a doorway only to find myself in another room. Something that seemed like a kitchen. I immediately noticed a large circle mahogany dinner table covered by a beautiful gray vintage table sheet with lace trimming with six chairs surrounding it. Five chairs looked either new or even unused apart from the dust one was worn out and looked as if it had been repeatedly sat on for many years. I felt pity for whoever lived in this house. Finally realizing that the lonely life they must have lived, the house without wiping their shoes. The cracks in the tiles were encrusted with several small mounds of soil. There was a blackened stove with a small pot still sitting on it. I did not dare look at what was inside. I noticed an open window directly opposite from it with a tree branch sticking through the middle of the cracked glass, making it look as though the tree branch had managed to grow inside the house, inching towards the window. I swept a portion of dust from the window ledge, revealing that it used to be a cream color. I imagined someone calmly putting their elbows on the ledge and looking out from the window. A single gold-etched dinner plate lay on the decomposing, unknown substance that was probably once someone's dinner. I turned and walked away fearing its appearance and an overpowering odor would make me sick. I took a turn towards the stairs and before noticing that in the living room was a Steinway grand piano that had somehow survived its time in the haunted, in the haunted house. It looked as though it was once a glossy black but was now a dull gray molding instrument. The yellowish keys were still amazingly attached. I cautiously walked towards the piano and raised my hand to place upon the dusty keys, curiously to see if time had affected its sound. I repeatedly tapped on one key, which produced a weird satanic sound. Just as in every horror movie I've watched, I expected the piano to mysteriously start playing itself, and I would start running for my life. But nothing happened, only the eerie echoes of the satanic keys I played. As I leaned on the keys, a crackling sound from the wood made me jump back. As I leaned on the keys, a crackling sound from the wood made me jump back. I slowly backed away, scared that I would crumble it even more and move back towards the base of the stairs. I looked out and my friends had all disappeared. All of a sudden, I started running out of the house, and it seemed that I was possessed. I couldn't go any faster. Happy Halloween, everybody. Thanks for watching Talon Talks. Have a good one.